Well, good morning. Victoria told me that I had five minutes. Um, he's like, Dad, look at the clock. You have five minutes. Maybe ten. You think you can do it in seven, she said. Um, I do want to pray for us and get us started, but I also want to pray for Susan. This is Susan's last week with us as well. Those of you know, Susan's been in our missional community for a little while now. She's been here serving her son, um, who also was in the hospital for many, many days and and back in and back out. And so she's moving back to um, New Mexico, Arizona area, New Mexico. Um, and so I want to pray for her as we as we uh, as we uh, get started here. Uh, Father, thank you for Susan. I thank you for allowing us to experience your love and grace through her. But I thank you that uh, we get to witness what it looks like to serve others uh, through her service of her son and as he uh, went through his illness. Lord, we do pray for John, her son, that, that you um, would continue to heal him, that you would, um, that you would bring him uh, to the knowledge of you and that he would desire you and, and that you uh, would walk in his life and he would walk with you. And so, Lord, we, we pray for that. We pray that you would bless Susan as she returns back home, that you would give her grace and that you would give her rest from her um, from her 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 real struggles and and toil here uh, while she's been here in Los Angeles. So thank you that we get to experience life with her, and that uh, ultimately we'll get to experience life together for all eternity. And so we praise you for that. We thank you that we get to be family, and pray that you would teach us this morning as we look into the book of John. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So where we are in the story um, is Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. This is the last night that they're going to be together. Jesus is soon going to be arrested and taken off to the cross. And, and Jesus knows this. We talked about that last week. Him being God knows this and he also has planned it. Um, and he's just told them that he's going and that he's going to leave them. And the disciples are a little bit confused now and probably a little bit fearful. If you remember, really, for the past three years, they have been doing life completely together all the time. Um, and, and now all of that is going to change. Um, and it seems by their questions, they're a bit unsure about this and they're, they're a bit fearful and a bit anxious about what is next. And so what we see in the, in chapter 14 is really Jesus' last like long words together. We'll see some, some of his statements along the way, but this is just kind of last like long words with them before he goes to the cross. And we see Jesus con, uh, um, comforting them, reassuring them, teaching them about who he is again, um, but also he's promising them that he's not leaving them alone. And rather he says, he's saying, in order for you to be closer to God, I have to be out of the way. And for, in order for you to get closer to God, for God to actually become inside of them because of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to see in this chapter, um, there's, a, there's a lot of things that Jesus says, but I want to just, because I only have seven minutes and I've just used two of them, um, <laughs> is that, uh, that Jesus teaches and he wants, and I want to encourage you to go back and read and study some of these things. But for our time this morning, I want to kind of focus our attention on Jesus' interaction with Philip and specifically what he talks about the Holy Spirit. So I want to pick up uh, reading in verse 6. Um, and I want you to see kind of the connections that Jesus is making here, as well as the progression of really kind of turning towards the role of the Holy Spirit here now. Uh, so verse 6, Jesus says this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, um, says, if you would know me, then you, you would know the Father. Father and Philip's like, show us the Father. And Jesus is like, didn't you just hear what I just said? And then verse 9, Jesus says this. Have I been with you so long? 
And you still don't know me, Philip. Whoever has seen the Father, how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus makes it clear here um, that in order to get to the Father, you need to go through him. And, and that he and the Father are one. Now, from our perspective, um, we're like, well, of course they are, right? Because we know what happens next in the story. And we kind, of, we kind of have been able to read the whole thing all together. We need to remember, though, that the disciples here and all the Jews, really, in the whole story leading up to this point was about them being with the Father, And so although we can go back and look through the Old Testament and all those things, you can see the Holy Spirit, you can see the whole Trinity there. Um, Really, they had no concept of that doctrine. The people of Israel had really a special responsibility to know and honor God the Father in really the oneness of his nature. They're they're monotheists, right? And so, so anything other than worshiping God the Father was blasphemy and was idolatry. And we've seen Jesus teach this before, right? That, that he's God and that he and the Father are one. It's why the leaders are so angry with him. And it's why ultimately what they'll use to seal his death, that, that he made himself equal to God the Father. And so in verse 11, he says this very clearly again for us. He says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He goes on and reveals that there's a third person of the Trinity here. John kind of led into this already, um, that the third person of the Trinity is to be worshipped as well. So skip to verse 16. It says this. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. And will be in you. He's saying he dwells with you because he's in Jesus right now. And he's, Jesus is with them. Right? He says, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. And in that day you will know that I am in, the, in my Father. And you in me and I in you. And so what Jesus is saying, that now God's people um, are in Jesus through the Spirit. The same way that Jesus is in the Father, and the Spirit is in Jesus. And so really this is what it means um, to be sons and daughters of the Father. What it means to be family, that we're in the Spirit. You and I, those of us that are, have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, are in the family of God because the Spirit is in us, and Jesus is in the Father. And so that really makes it really vitally important for us to also to understand and to really to know and experience the Holy Spirit as well. John Owens, who is a well-respected um, Welsh scholar in the 1600s, wrote a bunch of different books. Um, most of you probably have never read them, um, but you can actually get them on Amazon for like 99 cents um, a piece, which is kind of crazy, right? We can get something on Amazon now for 99 cents that was written in the 1600s. Um, but he's kind of most well-known for his work on the Holy Spirit. In fact, he wrote four books on the Holy Spirit. And in the first book, um, in chapter 1, he kind of points out something that is pretty obvious if we go back and look at it, but I think it's something that often we overlook. And he says that the Bible actually portrays um, history, the history of redemption, which three 
with three major divisions um, that progressively reveal um, the three persons of the Trinity. It says God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so the first movement or the first division of the story is before Jesus arrives on the scene. And so John Owens kind of points out that this movement was, was really about revealing the oneness of God's nature and his monarchy overall, especially with respect to the person of the Father. So that's kind of the first scene. And so then when Jesus appears in the second movement, the great question was whether the people who were ingrained on that first point would recognize and receive the incarnate Son of God. And so we see Jesus gather people who have received him, and then Jesus is put to death, and he rises up, and he's exalted, and he sits on the right hand of God. And from then on, the third movement begins by sending of the Holy Spirit. So before Jesus' coming, we have the preeminence of, the, of God the Father. During Jesus' early life, we have the, the predominance of, of God the Son. And since the ascension, we have the predominance of, of God the Holy Spirit. And so now we kind of really live in this unique um, climatic period of redemption history, really in the days of the Spirit, who, by the way, also sends us to do the same work, right? And so, so really, if we think back, like if Israel had the job to really know God the Father, us, I would say if Israel had that job, had the special responsibility to know and honor God the Father in, in the oneness of him, in his nature, and the people in Palestine where Jesus was walking around had a special responsibility to know and to honor God the Father, um, then now we have a special responsibility to know and to honor the Holy Spirit because it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the movement of time that we're living in. I want to read one other quote from, from John Owens because I think if we think about this, it, it would be really wise for us to get to know the Spirit. Owen says it this way, The sin of despising his person and rejecting his work now is of the same nature with the idolatry of old, with the Jews rejecting the person of the Son. That's a pretty heavy thought, right? Especially as I kind of look and, and see kind of the state of the church in the world when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is probably the least moan, least unknown, or the least, at least the most misunderstood person of the Trinity in the church, as we think about it in the world. Right? The church and God's family either sees him as very experiential and, and just kind of out there and we don't have to listen to anything else, or he's kind of the weird uncle that, that we fear. He's part of the family, but you don't really want him watching your kids because you're not sure what he's going to do, right? So we're just going to keep him in a closet and limit him to just the words that he wrote down in the Bible, right? That's, that's kind of, it's kind of the two extremes of what we think about when we think about the Holy Spirit. But the good news is that's not how Jesus views him. In fact, Jesus is the one who actually opened the closet door and let him out. Just so you know, he's the one who let him loose, right? So the Holy Spirit is really this vital part of the Trinity that we need to know and honor and follow. And so I want to take a quick look um, at, at two things, two essential truths um, that Jesus teaches his disciples about the Holy Spirit here. Um, and the first one is this. The first truth is the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person just like Jesus and just like God the Father. 
right? I think oftentimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, we kind of think of him um, just kind of floating around out there, right? We, we, we think of him as a ghost, right? That's his name, right? The Holy Ghost. Like, I kind of like, I think when I was a kid, I kind of imagined him like Casper. Casper was big when I was a kid. Um, and so it's kind of like, I kind of think of the Holy Spirit out there. He's just kind of like, he's floating out there like the Ghostbusters, like we're supposed to shoot him down or something. And, but but we, kind of, we kind of have this idea about him. But we don't think about God the Father that way. Even though God the Father doesn't walk around. God the Father doesn't have a human body like Jesus. It's the same basic essence and nature of the Spirit. But when we think of Father, we have some other image that goes along. And we easily call Him a person. But the truth is, Jesus and God the Father and the Spirit all had the same exact nature until Jesus was incarnated. But for some reason we think of the Spirit differently. If we look through um, John chapter 14 through 16, um, there's at least three things that, um, that these chapters confirm that Jesus thinks the Holy Spirit is a person and not just some mere force to be with us, right? Um, he says this actually in verse 16. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. When Jesus calls him helper here, other versions may say counselor or comforter. Jesus is treating him as a person, not a force. He calls him another counselor. That's what, that's what it means, that, that he'll, be, he'll be a counselor like me. The Holy Spirit will be a counselor like Jesus. Jesus is a person, and so thus if the Holy Spirit is just like him, he's a person as well. He goes on in verse 17, he says this. He says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. If you skip to verse 25, he says, I have spoken to you while I am with you. So Jesus here is identifying the Spirit with himself. He's saying, if I am with you and will be with you, he's the same as saying, it's the same as saying I am with you and the Spirit will be with you. Basically, you know me now as, as flesh and blood, the Son of God, but in the future, you will soon you will know me through the Spirit who will be given to you. And so Jesus' conclusion is, is the Spirit really is no less of a person than he is. In, in verse 26, it says that the Holy Spirit is, is also described not, not merely as the voice of God teaching, but actually as the teacher. Verse 26 says this, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. It says, he will teach you all things. If we go on to chapter 15, um, we'll see that he's not just a teacher, but he's a witness. You look at this in 1526. It says, when the counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. John 16 says it this way, um, that, that the Spirit first hears and then he teaches. So in, in, in all these statements, Jesus is, is treating the Spirit not as a force or just an influence or an activity of another person, but a person in his own right. One who hears from the Father and from the Son and teaching and bears witness to men and to women the same way as all the parts of the Trinity have done throughout the entire story. So, as you think about this, why does that matter? Why would I just spend, sorry, Victoria, five minutes on, on why the Holy Spirit is a person rather than a force? What is the difference? What's the difference? What do you think? Okay? Yeah, it's just kind of some superpower out there we can just kind of tap into, which is true in some ways. Yes. What else? Um, you can go to the Holy Spirit um, anytime you want. There in family as a comforter, right next to you as a friend. 
Yeah, it changes the way we interact with him, doesn't it? Really. Yeah, how often do you actually pray to the Holy Spirit? You know, we always pray like our Father or whatever, or, or dear Jesus, but how often do we actually pray to the Holy Spirit? He's a person as well to be addressed. Yeah, good. What else? Yeah, he's someone to be known, right? He's not some distant force that's just kind of ooh out there, right? It's actually someone that we can actually spend time with and have a relationship with. Yeah, good. John? Um, if he's not a person, then we don't really have a, a tri-personal God. So that can't stand. And also, if he's not personal, how can he, in certain respects, take the place of Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah. If, he, if he's not really a person, he, he has a hard time taking the place of a person, for sure. Yeah, and he then doesn't make... God try you, and if he's not a person. Yeah, good. Good. What else? Why does this matter in the everyday? What's the difference? I feel like uh, Jesus says, like, abide in me. Mm. And then he also says, like, I'm saying the helper to be with you. And, like, so to abide in the spirit with some, like, ethereal, like, kind of, like, like, spirit who is not, like, doesn't know me and, and know, like, what people are like, it's kind of, like, I don't know. It just sounds disinteresting. It kind of sounds weird. But like if the spirit grieves uh, sin and grieves pain and hurts just like us, like it's actually someone who knows, who can sit with us, who can be with us, who knows, who loves us, mm. um, as opposed to some like spirit where we're actually doing something that hurts. Like oh, the spirit, like he's that, like what is that? But like if it's a person that grieves and knows our loss and pain as well, that changes like who we're actually abiding in. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. How do you think? Well, I'm asking the question. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious how you define a person. When you... Yeah. What do you guys think? How do we define a person? <clears throat> um, a being that has feelings. Okay. A being that has feelings. How else? I think when we think person, it's, it's all these things, right? Someone we can have a relationship with, someone that we can spend time with, someone that we can communicate with. It's not just some like something out there that we hope or think about or just kind of in the air, but something that's actually, I mean, we can't, it's hard to put God into a box when we talk about God the Father as a person or whatever. But, I mean, we can do that easier with Jesus because he has a body. But we're talking about all the relational pieces and, and, and um, intellectual pieces and all the things that we would, would embody in, in a person. And kind of the same way you can kind of describe a soul, right? Their inner, innermost being is, is kind of hard to, to describe those things. But a person is someone that would have all of those things, not just some impersonal force that just like talks for someone else or, or is kind of a creation of something or, or an influencer. It's, it's actually a person that, and behind that, not just a, something that happened. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. I think as we think about this, um, th- this, this idea, this truth that the Holy Spirit is a person is a huge difference on how we interact with him. Right? If, if you believe you're, you're, that you are being indwelt and led um, and, and purified by, not just by some impersonal force or by a distant God, then, but by a person that really who is the essence and love of God, that's what Romans 5 says about him, um, that he's the essence of God's love for us. When we understand that, it becomes very, it's more of an intimate um, person that we actually get to interact with now they, that desires to bless us and to teach us and to comfort us and disciple us and to extend mercy to us. And, um, 
we really see from the very beginning that really this, we'll start to see, if we start to understand these, we start this, we'll start to understand how gracious God has been in actually providing divine resources that are in us now. So the, the first one is this. We'll move on because I'm running out of time here. Um, the first word is, is that Holy Spirit is a person. The second one is this. The, the truth is that God teaches us about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is actually God. He's not a creation of God, but he is actually God. We see this in a few ways. Jesus makes this clear in all the in statements, right? We talked about earlier, or we saw earlier, or we read that Jesus is in the Father that makes him um, God. And if the Spirit is in Jesus, that makes him God, right? So now this is not the first time we see John make in statements. Actually, he begins the book with kind of in arguments, um, in fact, if you, you look at that word, the very first word of the book is in, right? In the beginning. And then in verse 4, we see that in him was life. In verse 10, we see that in, uh, he was in the world and the world was made um, through him. So John is telling us, if Jesus, the Son of God, is equal to the eternal Father, then so the Holy Spirit is then equal to God by saying that, by making these, these in statements, the same in statements. It's what Romans 8 says, the same spirit thing, that the Spirit is one with the Father and the Father is one with the Son. So now, if this isn't the case, right? If this isn't the case, then, then we would have to imagine that sometime in history there would be no Spirit with the Father, or no spirit with the Son. There was the reality is that, that wasn't that's not the case. The truth is that the Holy Spirit is essentially there's an essential relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit from eternity past. As far back as you can think into eternity, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have have existed in infinite time. And the Holy Spirit it says is the love, really the love or the delight between them. That's that's what the how he is as a defined divine person. When we get to John 17, um, we'll see Jesus pray for the church. Um, and really, his prayer for the church really completes this promise that we see in verse uh, 16 of, of, our, of our chapter 14, where he says he's going to send the helper. And then in, in chapter 17, he, he prays for that. And look at what he says in 1726. I want to talk about this real quick, then I'll wrap it up. Um, I made known to them thy name. And I will make it known that the love which thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. And catch this idea that the love of the God, the love that God the Father has for Jesus is now in us. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's an amazing thought because when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it's not merely, um, it's not merely as the Son of, as the Spirit of the Son, or not merely as the Spirit of the Father, but as the Spirit really himself is one person, is an infinite love between the Father and Son. Right? And so, that, so that we may, so we may the Father and Son may, may love the Son, and the, loves, the, fa- the Son loves the Father. I'm getting a lot of words mixed here. Um, but the very love that they have for each other um, is the Holy Spirit, is what, is what he's talking about here. And that's crazy. That's the prayer that Jesus has for us. That we would that we would we would have the love between the two of them in us. That's what Jesus asked for the Spirit. And so when you add the second truth about the Holy Spirit, um, the first one really becomes even more precious, doesn't it? That the person who is in us now, who indwells us, who leads us, who who purifies us, is is no less than God Himself, the Holy Spirit. 
And as we think about that, what good news that is that you and I have been favored by God to live in this time period where we have, we have the age of the Spirit. What grace is it that God has allowed us to live in a time period where we get to see Him spread out for, for all of all of time to marvel at all the history of all the revelation of God the Father, all the revelation of God the Son, and now all the revelation of God the Spirit as He teaches us all the time. And that, that, he, that he shows us and reveals His love for each other, for, for, that they have for each other in us. And can I say, that's no merit on our own. You and I were not born into this time period in the fullness of God's nature um, where, he's, where the three and one have been fully re- revealed um, and, and, the, and where the various ministries of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have been di- displayed and offered to us for our experience and for our love. We didn't have anything to do with that. God specifically chose you and me to live in this time period so in His grace He could reveal all of those things to us. That's really good news. And that's really love and grace that God has for us. And so as, as I wrap up, I, wanna, I just want to encourage us as we think through this and as we, as we get to kind of experience this, don't forget about the person of the Spirit. Earnestly seek the Spirit. Earnestly get to know and experience as much of God as possible. And in this moment in time, that means especially as much of the Holy Spirit as possible as well. Evie had mentioned that, or that Ian was praying for her to, to really hear the voice of the Spirit. Right? A person has a voice and speaks to us intimately. And so it's one of the things that we get to pray, that, that the Spirit would, would speak to us and remind us of God's truth, and that we would, we, our ears would be in tune and listening to what God has, say, has to say for us, and that we, would, that we would, in obedience, follow him into those things out of the the same love that we would have for him that we would have for jesus that we'd have for god the father that we would love the spirit that way and that we would know him intimately i'm going to pray and we're going to head to communion um and and just continue to celebrate who god is father we thank you that you are three in one that you are a person that we get to know and that that we that we get um, to to walk alongside lord i I thank you for uh, the person of the holy spirit holy spirit i i pray to you i ask that you would guide us that you would you would illuminate more truths of of the Father to us, and that you would illuminate more of yourself to us, and that you, um, that you would, you would disciple us. Lord, we know that you are the chief discipler, and that we are in desperate need of you disciple us, and you, for you to call people into your kingdom. And so, Father, I pray as we, as we've been sent out to do your work, as your, as your missionaries, as your people now, that your spirit would lead us, and that we would, we would clearly see what direction and what, what you want us to walk into and who you want us to talk to and, and what words you want us to say to them and that you would, you would impact their hearts and they would see you, not us. And so, Lord, we ask that the Spirit would, would be poured down even more in the city and that you um, would strengthen your people with your love. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.